thesaurus defines the word chosen as something that someone picks out as being closer to what they want or need. To select or to settle, to prefer, to fix on, to elect, adopt, or to single out. The Strong's Exhaustive Concordance uses two words in addition to that, and those words are to implant and to engraft. To implant, according to the Oxford Dictionary, means to fix an idea firmly in someone's mind. To engraft, according to the Webster's Dictionary, means to graft or insert a shoot from one plant into another according, excuse me, into another plant so that the two can grow together as one single plant. John 15, 16 says, Ye have not been chosen, or you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now, that's the, that's the New King James Version on the, on the screen, so it may have sounded a little different than what I was reading. But this morning, I want to preach to you on this uh, very simple subject called Chosen for Victory. Um, I remember playing ball as a kid growing up. I can, even, I can even remember and recall some of the names and the faces of the individuals that I played with, my childhood friends. In my mind's eye, I can still see the football fields, the baseball diamonds, the basketball courts that we played on. But more importantly than anything else, I remember the process in which we picked our teams. Oftentimes, we, the members that, of our team that we selected were picked based on their athleticism, their friendship to us, and peer pressure. It was in that order that we built and constructed our teams with winning as our goal. We were not playing aimlessly with no goal in mind, or at least some of us weren't. There was a general rule of thumb for every losing a team. You had to leave the field of play if you lost, unless you were selected by the next team to play. None of us wanted to lose, and at an early age, we understood that in order to win, you couldn't always pick your friends. Picking your homeboys on the strength that they were your running buddies didn't always translate into being victorious on the field of play. Now, I know that to some of you that may sound uh, mean and it may not sound very personable, but the truth is not all of my friends were very athletic as myself. And their determination to win didn't rival or measure my determination. Not that winning is everything. I'm just being transparent and open about the mindset and the mentality that I possess BC before Christ, or that is before my Christian conversion. When you and I were born again, our thinking process began to experience a change. Through the power of the Holy Ghost and the word of God influencing our thinking, we have begun to realize that we can't build or construct our own spiritual victories. The best that any of us can do is to reinforce the victory provided for us by Jesus Christ. This provision he generously gives has power to help us to imagine and see ourselves the way he does. 
To God, we are his sons, his spiritual offspring that have been chosen for a life of abundance and victory. According to John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The devil, our flesh, and the world system all want to subtract or take away from who we are becoming in Christ. Whereas Jesus says, I want to add, I want to increase, and I want to bring value to your lives. In the second epistle of Peter, we note that the apostle is writing to the church about problems that are arising within the church. Whereas in his first epistle, he addresses the issues that are developing from without the church. He informs us that we have been, we have been made partakers of God's divine nature. And as such, we should be in the process of adding some things to our walk with God. Things that if they are added will help us, hallelujah, to be diligent in making our call and our election in Christ sure, as well as prevent us from falling. All of this is outlined within the first 10 verses of the, of the first chapter of Second Peter. As to the point I was making about the provision our Lord has made, it is an important one because as long as we are in these tabernacles of clay, we're going to need everything that the Holy Ghost can, can give us, can impart to us to help us in our walk of victory. And if we want to be successful in our Christian race and in our Christian life, for example, the equipment of our inner man with fortitude and confidence that's necessary for our success as new creatures in Christ. Paul says it like this. But though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. So what that means is that every day we wake up, we're dying. Uh, we, can, we, can, we notice this and we recognize this if when we take showers or if we take a bath and you let the water out, there's a ring around the tub. That's because your, your, your flesh is dying. It's decaying. It's in the process, uh, process of being ready to return back from, to the earth or the dust from where we came and where God first fashioned us and blew, blew the breath of life in us when we became living souls. So we're dying every day. So though our outer man is perishing, our inner man, which is being renewed, through the Holy Ghost, which is being renewed by God, is being built up, it's being strengthened, it's becoming more alive each and every day as we live. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, so every time we pray, I'm sorry, let me go back. Let me go back. So every time we pray, bear with me, bear with me, I'm a little nervous this morning. Every time we pray, every time we read or study our word, and the word of God, every time we fast and intercede as the spirit grants us the unction, we are changed and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We are being renewed from the inside out. This is important to note because God never begins his process of recreating us or by working on us from the outside in. He always begins from the inside out. He begins with our thinking. He begins with transforming how we think, how we view the world, or how we view each other. 
Hallelujah. He gives it. He imports us, uh, imparts to us the power and the understanding to bear with each other, to be long suffering with each other, uh, to remember that he forgave us and that likewise we should also forgive our brothers and sisters when they fall short or when they uh, do something that a man may uh, offend us in some shape, form or fashion. Uh, God is more concerned with the soulless part of us. Uh, than we than sometimes we are, uh, because he he plans for us to spend eternity with him, and so there are some things about us that are not going to make it to heaven, that are not going to enter into heaven. You know, attitudes, anger issues, unforgiveness, uh, and a, and a host of other things. All these things will not enter into heaven, and so God is saying, I need you to be in the process of removing these things or allowing the Holy Spirit that I have granted to you to help you remove these things so that you can be victorious in your walk in life, so that you can really understand why I have chosen you for victory. Um, more and more of the old man every day is shed and a greater degree of power is released to adorn us as the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. In our pursuit of life, as the sons of God, various obstacles will confront and challenge us or challenge the faith that we have begun to exercise in our Heavenly Father. And while location and oftentimes our living environment can influence and the intensity or frequency of the things we face, none of us are exempt from having to deal with them. It is called life, and life is about making choices. Choices that impact and shape <clears throat> our very character. What you and I choose to do on a daily basis affects the destiny of our tomorrows. I'm going to say that again. What you and I choose to do on a daily basis affects the destiny of our tomorrows. You can, you and I can choose to do on a daily basis uh, the things that God wants us to do, or we can choose to do the things that we want to do. Now, if we do the things that we want to do, we're not going to be conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. And we're going to block, if you will, um, the help that he would like to release and unleash into our lives to help us to be successful. Um, we have been called to set our lives apart for the use of God. Uh, some people call this sanctification. They use the big word sanctification, but that really just means to be set apart, to be used by God and to be used of God. And this is why we need to understand the victory for which we have been chosen, that it involves our ability to be stretched, to be pulled during this process. Spiritual growth is always, is always the process of replacing lies or misconceptions with truth. When we do this, we are brought into a clear understanding of what God has chosen us for. I want to encourage us this morning to fight the good fight of faith by pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We have to contend on a daily basis with the faith that was once delivered to all the saints. We contend and we press because we have been chosen by God for victory, a victory that involves repetition and a continuous grind that encourages us to present our bodies as living sacrifices that are acceptable to God. And not only that, this victory empowers us 
every, excuse me, this victory empowers every son of God to be transformed by the renewal of their minds so that, by, so that we can thereby obey God and not allow our present situation or circumstances to cookie cutter or mold us into something that is not in the image of God. God's word will mold you and shape you into the image of God, which has been revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. The new man that the body of Christ is being formed and fashioned into can only be, done, can only be renewed by the knowledge of God, which reveals the image of him that created him. So as we grow in our understanding that God has chosen us for victory, we need to understand that progressively and to become, allow that to become more crystal clear in our minds about the things that we're going to face, the things that we're going to be challenged with, and the temptations that come our way. Uh, because we are, we are going to be challenged. Uh, we're going to be tempted, uh, which, by the way, is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Temptation only becomes a sin when we give in to what it is suggesting that we do. That we do. Um, it doesn't have power to rule over us. Uh, Satan can't force you to do anything that you don't want to do. He can only make suggestions. He can only, make, he can only point out certain things and make it appear alluring, more attractive. And if, you don't, if you, and if you're not sold out to God, if you're not really committed to God, then those things that he points out in their attraction and their allurement, you'll gravitate towards those things. Because you haven't settled in your mind that I love God more than I love this lie or this temptation that he's trying to bring my way. The things that try to tempt us away from God do not become sin until we make room for them in our lives. As a matter of fact, temptations were designed by Satan to serve as a mass weapon of spiritual destruction. His end game in his war against God is not, to, not only to hurt our Heavenly Father through a protracted war where he instigates and encourages rebellion against the Lord of glory and Prince of life, but he desires to distort and to mar the very image of Jesus Christ that we are being formed into. So he wants to... He wants, number one, he wants you and I to suffer from our identity crisis. He doesn't want us to be able to, to, to look into the Bible, to see how victorious Jesus Christ was, to see how triumphant he was over death, over sickness, over disease, over curing people that couldn't see. And for us to understand that as a son of God, we have that same power. We can walk the same way that Jesus walked. He said that these things that you see me do, you would do an even greater. So he, who was he talking to? He was talking to the church. He was talking to you. He was talking to me. And he was saying that we have the power to do the same things that he was doing. Hallelujah. If we would just only believe. Our Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that there is no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So what was the Apostle Paul trying to communicate here? I believe, first and foremost, he was letting, letting the church of Corinth know that the temptations they were facing had a common thread running through them all that it was normal and not abnormal for all of mankind to experience being tempted. 
The second thing I believe he wanted them to know was that they served an awesome and a faithful God who had chosen them for victory. Because of this, they were able, and we too should be able to rest assured that he has made a way of escape. Hallelujah. And for us to resist any temptation that has come or will attempt to take us, to, over, to overtake us. We need to have an, an unwavering confidence in the God that we serve as we increasingly learn how to make choices that line up with his will for our lives. It is not a given, and nor should it be assumed, people will make right choices and the right decision. Even Christians, even ourselves, we are working out our own salvation through fear and trembling and do not always make the right choice or best decisions. We too, hallelujah, ourselves struggle with some tough decisions in life. And when we get it wrong, sometimes it is extremely hard, if not impossible, to rise above the point, that point in our lives and move on. Oftentimes, for the majority of us, it's easier to function from a place of defeat, deception, and fear than a place of abundance, power, and victory in Jesus. The reason that this is to be, uh, the reason that I know that this is so is, and that it is true is because in my own life, in my own personal battles to overcome challenges and, and things that, and that have come my way, that defeat, deception, and fear have brought to my doorstep, I have failed to come, I have failed and come up short against consistently exercising any semblance of obedience and saving faith. I couldn't reinforce the victory that Jesus had provided for me because I wasn't meditating, I wasn't marinating and rehearsing the promises of God on the screen of my imagination. I failed because at one point in my life, I actually thought it was possible to manufacture my own victory. I thought that I could do things in my own strength, that I didn't really have to rely on God, or that I had, a, I had enough of God. I had enough of his word. I had a, I, I'm, I'm attending enough church services that I can do this, I can do this thing on my own now. I, 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 I thought in my own self that I had become so familiar with the things of God, the word of God, the spirit of God, that I could manufacture my own victory, but I was only fooling myself. I was only fooling myself. Hallelujah. Um, and I was, and not only was I fooling myself in terms of thinking that I was, um, how's, how I want to say it, thinking that I was, I guess, acquainted, well acquainted with the word of God. So much so that I, I was totally overlooking and, and ignoring what the apostle John had to say on the subject. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, John had this to say about being chosen for victory. He says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So to truly understand the significance of why we were chosen and how it carries over into a victorious life uh, that we, that in, in, in this world and how we can overcome the things that challenge us in this world, we must possess obedient and saving faith, faith that transcends environment, education, social constructs, and our status in the world. 
Our faith must extend and go beyond what we are currently experiencing and what we can currently see through our natural eyes. We have to learn how the Holy Ghost superimposes himself upon us through our senses by the power of the, of the gift of discerning of the spirits and allow him to open our understanding. If our understanding isn't open, when we gaze or look into the dimension or the realm of faith where God alone resides, we will lack the ability to perceive things the way that he does. As we mature in our walk of victory, we place God, uh, well, as we walk in our, our uh, as we mature in our walk of victory, we please God when we believe that he is rewarding us for diligently seeking him and seeking after him. Amen. So, it, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing, I think, that sometimes when we, uh, when we come to the end of ourselves, you know, sometimes uh, we can get emboldened by uh, the accolades that sometimes that we receive from, from family members or from friends or coworkers. People uh, uh, pump us up sometimes and, and, and try to make us think that we're more than what we really are or that we are uh, what we're doing, such as, you know, me, by me just standing up here and preaching this message, I can easily become puffed up in pride and think that, oh, it's, it's me that's doing this and God doesn't have anything to do that. And that's, that's, that could be the furthest thing from the truth. Not saying that I'm, I'm prideful and I'm puffed up, but I'm just using that as an example. I could not stand here today. I could not stand up here before you and preach this message without the help of God, without his presence dwelling on the inside of me, without me having confidence that he has called me to do this and that he will help me to get through it. Uh, even even in, with all of the uh, misspoken words that I have spoken this morning, all the mistakes that I have made, God is still on what I'm doing. God is still present in what I'm doing, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, as I bring this message to a close uh, and open up the altar to whomsoever will, there are a couple of points I wish to make concerning faith. Number one being a person of faith doesn't rely on his abilities for deliverance from sin and for victories he or she may experience in life. Instead, they place their hope and trust in the God of their salvation and his word, which is forever settled in the heavens. A person of faith proclaims Jesus as his or her Lord and Savior who died and was resurrected for the, on their behalf. Amen. The second point that I want to make about faith is or has to do with Abraham, the father of our faith. Abraham is described in the Bible as the father of them all, or, or, the, or excuse me, the father of all them that believe. Paul expounds upon this in, chapter, in the fourth chapter of Romans, verses 9 through 12. Abraham trusted God so much that he obeyed God's demand to sacrifice his son Isaac on a burnt off as a or as a burnt offering on Mount on Mount Moriah. His obedience was based on the trust that he had in God. I, I can sit here and, and, and tell you today that if I if, if I heard the, the voice of God telling me to sacrifice my son Joshua uh, Caleb on the altar, I, I don't really know if I'm at that place that I would that I will obey him. I would like to think that I am. But I, I can't really tell you, sit here, stand here today and tell you definitively 
that I would do and I would act the way that, that, that Abraham did. But I pray that I would. I pray that God would give me the strength because I know that I don't exist, I don't live, and I don't move. Joshua doesn't live and move and have his being based on what I desire to do, based on what God desires to do. He holds our every heartbeat, our every breath in his hand, and he can take it back at any moment. You know, and it, and, and it doesn't have to be because he's asking me to sacrifice him. It could just be that's the destiny that he has for Joshua's life. But Abraham trusted God so much that he obeyed God's demand. This extraordinary obedience and trust was counted as righteousness for Abraham. And it has been counted as righteousness towards anyone that has believed ever since. So how many of us today, how many of us this morning want, the faith, want our faith and our trust in God to be counted as righteousness? I do. I want my faith and my trust in God to be counted as righteousness. How many of us desire for the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable in the sight of God? I do. If this is your desire this morning, the altar is open for you to come boldly and enter into the presence of God. Please do not hesitate or look around to see what anyone else is doing. This is between you and God. What you are feeling is an opportunity he has created for, for us to minister to him with our praise and with our worship. And we need to open our mouths and let him know how much we love him, how much we adore him, how much we appreciate him coming and sustaining us through it all. We need to lift up a sound from the earth that signifies that we are aware that we have been chosen for victory. Hallelujah. The altar is open. I would like to invite the church family to come down if you would and to just pray and with each other, for each other, to encourage one another. Hallelujah. We all need help. We all need strength. We can't do this alone. No man, is, no man or any woman or any child is an island of their own. You know, we have to all do this together. We all have to rely on each other and depend on each other through the grace of God and through his spirit, through everything that flows from his spirit into our inner being and inner person that, that empowers us to be successful, to be victorious, and to be everything that he has called us to be. In Jesus' name. Now at this time, I'm going to turn the service over to Ben. But just continue to, to pray. Are there any, any particular prayer needs or prayer requests at this time? Okay, but just, just, oh, I'm sorry. Sister Rita. Can I, can I ask the, the, um, the women of the church to come pray with, with Rita, to lay hands on her? We're going to pray for her father. Um, he's losing faith in God because his immigration status is, and his papers has been rejected. And, you know, he's just losing hope. And so we just want to pray that his faith in God, his confidence in God will be strengthened. Father God, we just ask right now in the name of Jesus that you strengthen Reed's father, oh God, that you help him to understand that you have allowed this situation and circumstance to evolve for a reason, for a purpose, and that is for you to be glorified. 
for, for him to continue to have faith in you, to have confidence in you, and to believe that this mountain will be moved. And so we stand in the gap this morning with Reedy, and we decree and declare that this mountain will be moved. It has to move. It shall. It has to move, oh God. And we lift him up, oh God. And we ask that you just strengthen him, oh God, according to your will and your purpose. You know him, and you know where he is this morning. I ask that you reach down into the midst of this situation and his circumstance, oh God, and allow him to feel your presence. Allow him to feel your comfort, oh God. Allow him to feel amen everything that you need for him to feel in order for him to be encouraged in jesus name hallelujah father i pray for every family that is down here at this altar i pray for every man every woman every child that is in this altar right now you know them all by name by situation and by circumstance you know everything that they went through this week leading up to this service and i pray that you would just impart strength oh god that you would impart wisdom that you're going to part everything that they need going forward throughout this week so that they can be successful, that they can be victorious. Hallelujah. And that they can truly allow the light that is inside of them to shine for all the world to see. Lord, we know that this is not always an easy process. We know that sometimes we have to really get on our face and, and spend time in the closet and seek your face and just cry out to you, oh God, and just ask you to help us. And so I'm asking you today, help us, Jesus, because I know that we can't do it without you. If it was not for you, oh God, we could be homeless. If it was not for you, oh God, we could be dead. If it was not for you, oh God, we could not have the strength in our bodies. We would not live, be able to live, move, and have our being if it was not for you. And so we thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.